Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. So good to see everybody here today. Hey, I wanted to tell you about a ministry you might not know about, just to maybe make you feel better. We have um, a security ministry, so while we're worshiping, we've got folks that roam the parking lot and uh, are in foyer, and um, some of them are packing heat. If you don't know what that means, um, some of y'all are, you need to what? Then you didn't come from Texas? I know what that means. Oh, you wasn't packing nothing yesterday. I can take a beating. So, uh, and then during Bible class, uh, we've got folks that are stationed at doors and stuff. And I, I just think that's awesome that we've got people that care about us and care about our kids, especially. And they're just kind of stationed looking after our vehicles and, and those kind of things. So um, that's pretty awesome. We started a series last week called Messy, and I am just overwhelmed with material. I, I don't even know how long I'm going to go. I'm just enjoying it. And so we introduced Messy last week. Today we want to talk about our messy people. Welcome here. Maybe you've seen this video before. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. Are messy people welcome at church? Are messy people welcome here? Hasn't always been that way in churches. In some churches, it's still not that way, but 
Sometimes we get a reputation that certain people are not welcome here. And you might be thinking, well, other churches may have that reputation, but our church welcomes everyone. Are messy people welcome here? This is not a new thing, dealing with messy people. This isn't something that came up five years ago or a hundred years ago. This goes back centuries, dealing with messy people. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about messy is to see what the Bible says about messy. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about messy is to tell you stories about messy. For example, in his book, Messy Spirituality, Mike Iaconelli writes, he says, many of those who attend the church where he was, many of those who attend church have always wanted to go to church, wanted to know God better, longed for a better relationship with Jesus. But more often than not, they would end up at a church where they were made to feel as if the mess in their lives disqualified them from the possibility of an authentic spiritual life. Maybe you grew up at a church like that. Maybe you've got a church story like that. For example, he talks about Renee. He says, this is Renee. After 30 years of marriage, her husband left her for a younger woman. Right after Renee was diagnosed with lung cancer. Devastated and alone, she is slowly trying to follow Jesus in the wreckage of her situation. She was made to feel guilty by her former church because her marriage fell apart. Her faith didn't heal the cancer. Her children are not in a good place. And she's having bouts of depression, which spiritual Christians shouldn't have, according to her spiritual friends. Can you relate to her? Struggle with divorce? Struggle with marriage? Struggle with cancer? Struggle with kids? Anybody relate to her? In his book, he tells story after story after story about his members, testimonies of his members. Test testimonies. There's a thought where people share their lives. Keith Miller writes, Our churches are filled with people who outwardly look contented and at peace, but inwardly are crying out for someone to love them just as they are, confused, frustrated, often frightened, guilty, and unable to communicate even with their own families. Iaconelli writes, sprinkled throughout our congregation are good people who've been paralyzed by feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness, insecurity and self-doubt, insignificance and guilt, which is what cripples most of us who are trying to follow Christ. Anybody here relate to those kind of feelings of inadequacy and insignificance and guilt? Are messy people welcome here? Not long ago, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I won't be too specific, but there was a CEO of a well-known clothing company who made some kind of challenging comments. He said he doesn't want larger people shopping in his store. He wants thin and beautiful people. He doesn't want his core customers to see people who aren't as hot as them wearing his clothing. People who wear his clothing should feel like they're one of the cool kids. And according to the article, he doesn't even stock larger clothing in his store. He says, his words, In every school there are the cool and popular kids, and there, then there are the not-so-cool kids. Candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the attractive all-American kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends. 
A lot of people don't belong in our clothes. And they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? He says, absolutely. The blogs lit up. YouTube videos came out. Americans lit up. Americans got mad over clothing. Maybe it was a marketing ploy. Maybe they were just reaching a certain kind of people. you got to give them credit for marketing. And I'll give them credit for this. At least he's honest. Are we exclusionary? He says, absolutely. Are we exclusionary, church? Do we cater to a certain kind of people? Do we have certain kinds of codes around here? I mean, do we all look alike? I mean, look around. Pretty much, are we a certain type of people? You see, we don't get to decide if we're exclusionary or not. We've got to ask folks in the community. We've got to ask the folks on the outside. How do you see the church? And more times than not, they say the church is exclusionary. So maybe it's time that we started to be honest, which is why we started messy last week. We, we just kind of scratched the surface, and the surface last week was, we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We'll look at that more today. Nobody here is who they appear to be. We all have secrets. We all have issues. We all have skeletons in the closet. Nobody's perfect here today. We just have to keep driving that home because we're all in the same boat. Are messy people welcome here? Well, they should be because they would fit right in to all of our messiness. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3 today. That was our scripture reading. So if you want to turn to Romans 3, we're going to start reading in verse 21. If you're not familiar with Romans, it's in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. So about six books in. This is not a new thing dealing with messy people, but let me introduce this way. You, you need to know that, that, that I love church. I mean, I grew up in church. I've never not known church. I love everything about church. I love growing up in church. I love going to VBS at church. I love the cookies at VBS. I love singing at church. I love the preaching at church. I love the gospel meetings at church. I've always loved church. I used to love potlucks at church until we had a lady at our church, not here, just want to clear that up, who, you know, they put spoons in all of the dishes. She thought those were her personal tasting you can't make this stuff up. So you either jumped ahead. I mean, before the closing prayer, you wanted to get back in line or you just said, nah, I'm not hungry tonight. I love church. I love running around after church, waiting on mom and dad to quit yakking. But that's OK. We were out in our church clothes getting dirty because we weren't supposed to. And that's what made it fun. I love church when when I got promoted because when I became a Christian, they said, hey, do you want to help us count the contribution? I'm like, oh, man, it doesn't get any better than this. They go back and they dumped all those trays and they put me in charge of the coins, the pennies and the nickels and the dimes. And But then I got promoted again. They said, Richie, we're taking you off contribution. We want you to count the crowd. 
I mean, I couldn't wait to walk down the side so everybody could see me counting. I've always loved church, but the older I got, the more I started to realize we've sometimes created a church culture for church people. I mean, look around. We know how things are going to happen. We know the order of worship. We know the routine. We know where to go. And we've almost created a culture, I noticed growing up, that messy people don't really show up at church. At least we don't know about their messy lives because we dress up and we look good. And for all we know, everybody's got it going on. But you can go to just about any church. It's not just Church of Christ. You can go to the Baptist church or Methodist church, wherever you grew up. And there's a routine and you know what the routine is. And you felt comfortable with that routine. And Paul knew the routine because Paul came in and there were the Jews. And the Jews had always been God's people. Who were God's people? The Jews. Who were not God's people? Everybody else. And then the Gentiles entered the picture. And they didn't do things the way the Jews did. But Paul comes along and he realizes, wait a minute, wait a minute, we got Jews and we've got Gentiles. And Paul, who used to be Saul, who used to persecute Christians, who used to torture Christians, who used to throw Christians in jail, and then he was converted, he became a Jesus follower, and he realized that Jesus came for everybody. And he said, we've got to get this message out to all the other messy people. And he wrote half of the New Testament. And he said, we've got to let everybody know, we've got to let all the messy people know that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. This is not just a Jewish message. This is not just a Gentile message. This is not just a rich message. This is not a Church of Christ message. This is not a Baptist, Methodist, Catholic message. This is a message for the whole world. All the messy people in the world need to hear this message. But then there's the messiness. And Paul knew that the Jews were wrestling with that messiness. And so he wrote several letters and we pick up in Romans chapter 3 because he knows that the Gentiles weren't like the Jews. I mean, the Gentiles didn't eat like the Jews. They didn't dress like the Jews. They didn't worship like the Jews. They didn't talk like the Jews. They weren't anything like the Jews. They were messy people. So what do we do with the messy people who want to be Jesus followers? Are they welcome? Because, you know, people had not always been welcome in church. You don't have to go very many years back to realize we haven't always made people feel welcome. Just a year after we moved into the auditorium, I've told you this story before, we had some folks visiting and she said amen during the sermon. And after worship, she was told, our women don't do that here. And they never came back. Because we've got codes, we've got rules, we've got dress codes. I remember that you couldn't serve communion unless you had coat and tie, so we excluded a lot of people. Find that coat and tie verse for me in Scripture. Find that for me. We've got rules and we exclude people, whether we want to realize that or not. Kind of like the church sign I saw, it read, People like us, welcome You gotta laugh at that one. I got one little chuckle over here. People like us, welcome. If you're not like us, you're not welcome. 
Folks, you're going to have to wake up a little bit because we got a lot of sermons to go on this. Paul comes along and he says, this message is for everybody. And if you create a church culture that's just for church people, if you create a church culture that excludes people, if you create a church culture where people don't feel welcome, that's, that's not just bad. That's not just wrong. That's sinfully unbiblical. If you show up in our worship and you don't feel welcome, it's our fault, not yours. Just want to clear that up. Because everybody should feel welcome when they come to Jesus. So he writes in Romans chapter 3, let's read beginning in verse 21. But now, not years ago, not five years ago, not ten years ago, but now, right now, right now, he says, a righteousness from God, a right standing from God. That's what that means. Everybody wants a right standing with God. When you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, you want to know that you're right with God. But now a righteousness, a right standing with God. We haven't always had a right standing with God. That's what makes this good news, and that's why everybody needs to hear this. But now a righteousness, a right standing from God. It doesn't come from you, it comes from God. It's not about what you do, it's about what God does. But now a right standing comes from God. And it's apart from the law. Apart from the law, it's been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Everything you read about in the Old Testament was pointing to the right now. All the law and the prophets were pointing to this right now. But right now hasn't always been that way. But right now you can have right standing with God. This righteousness, this right standing is from God. And it comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who behave. Is that what your Bible says? That's what we want our Bible to say. That's what we want it to say. Because if I'm going to get something from God, surely it's based on something that I do. I mean, why would God give me something if I haven't done something? I mean, I don't give my pet a treat unless he does something good, right? I don't give my kids treats unless they do something. Why would God give me something good unless it's my behavior? Oh, that's what we want it to say. Because that makes us feel good. So that when we come to church and we look good and our behavior looks good, surely God will look down on us more right-standingly than He would had we not been behaving rightly. Right? I mean, that's what we want it to say. I mean, that's what people say. It was on the video, when I get my life right, when I get my behavior right, then I'll come to church. Because then God will accept me. No, now a righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And I grew up in a church that we wrestled with that because we wanted to put a but in here. We were the but church. Anytime we didn't like the way God worded something, we just put a but in here. So like, to all who, well, yeah, but baptism ought to go in there somewhere. I mean, there ought to be a but in there somewhere, right? But I'm just reading Scripture. I can't change Scripture, so I'm just reading what God says. To all who believe this right standing with God comes through faith. There it is right there. That says baptism. It says faith. So it ought to be baptism. Right? Y'all got to have a little more fun with this than what we're having right now. The right standing with God comes through faith, through trust in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then check this out. He says there is no difference. There is no difference. And the Jews are reading this and listening to this and saying, no, 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 Paul, you, you got it wrong. There is a difference. 
The Gentiles don't do it the way we do. The Romans don't do it the way we do. The Baptists don't do it the way we do. The Catholics don't do it the way we do. The Pentecostals don't do it the way we do. I mean, we sing different. We do communion different. Rodney even mentioned, he said, you know, you may be more familiar with doing communion once a quarter, once a year. Not everybody does communion the way we do it. There is a difference. I mean, when we baptize, we put folks all the way under. We don't sprinkle. There is a difference. We'll baptize you every week if you want to, but at least we do it. There's a difference. But Paul says, no, no, no. There is no difference for all have sinned. Oh, oh, you're talking about that. You're talking about that. I was talking about how we behave. We behave differently and we, we follow differently. You're talking about, oh, there is no difference. All the messy people in the world, there's no difference. There's no difference. Paul's already been illustrating this. If you've read Romans, if you haven't in a while, read chapter 1 and chapter 2. He says, there's no one righteous, not even one. The, the Gentiles, they're not righteous. He hits them hard in chapter 1 and the Jews are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says to the Jews, you're not righteous. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. But we're better than the Gentiles, right? There's no one righteous. No Jew, no Gentile, no Church of Christ, no Baptist, no man. Nobody's righteous. There is no right standing with God based on what you do. There is no right standing with God based on your behavior. You can't make you right with God. There's no difference. None. Everybody's messy. So isn't that a message? Isn't that good news that everybody needs to hear? He even says in verse 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded. When it comes to a church culture, the only thing we need to exclude is not people. It's boasting. I mean, when it comes to boasting, I mean, what do Baptists have to boast about? What do Methodists have to boast about? What do Church of Christ have to boast about? There's no difference. We've all sinned. Well, Paul, when you put it that way, yeah, I... I I see that. I see that we're all messy. There's no difference in your sin and my sin. There's no difference if you have more sins and I have fewer sins. There's no difference in what the sins are or anything. He says there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. Everybody. All fall short. All sin. All are messy. Everybody comes up. Short. I think I told you several years ago when we took a trip to Disney and we flew out of Shreveport to Dallas to somewhere. I don't know. We ended up in Orlando and went to Disney. And then it came time to come back. We got on the plane and there was bad weather in Orlando. And we knew that our connecting flight in Dallas, we were pushing it. And so we, the plane pulled up. And when we got off that plane, Spencer took off. Just He's gone. Sydney turned and looked at us and she's gone. I turned and looked at Kelly, and I'm gone. So I'm running this way, kind of looking, you know. And I, I think we did three laps around that airport because I didn't know what we were doing. And, and we get right up to the terminal. There's our plane. And, and that thingy, that, that, that walkway, that shoot thing, do y'all never fly? Was still attached to the plane, but the girl at the gate said, sorry, you're late. I'm like, no, 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 we're not late, late. We're just like a minute late. I mean, we ran, do you see the sweat running down? We're just a little bit late. 
She said, you're not getting on the plane. No, 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 wait a minute. We're just a little bit late. And then about that time, another family came up and they were late, but they were later than we were late. I mean, we had less late than they were late. And it didn't matter what we said or what they said. We saw the plane. We saw our plane back up and take off. And we're standing there like, that's our plane. We all fell short of the glory of Delta. It didn't matter how late anybody was, we were late. There is no difference. Paul says there's no difference whether you've got a couple of sins or you've got a lot of sins. Whether you've got what you call minor sins or whether you want to call them major sins. There is no difference. So when it comes to messy, don't you think the world needs to hear that good news that it doesn't matter what you've done, we're all late. And Jesus says, open the doors. I want everybody to come in. Jesus gives us all an opportunity, no matter how late we are, no matter how sinful we are, no matter how messy we are, to be saved. So why create a church culture that would suggest to people that we got it going on and we're not late and you're way late? We can't do that, church. Messy people... If we believe this message, then we'd be going after some messy people. If we believe this message, messy people would feel more comfortable here. We would feel more comfortable here. Y'all, last week was so great in so many ways, but when Ken Pickard came down front, and the first thing he said to me, he said, Richie, my life is so messed up. You didn't say stuff like that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, growing up in the church. Not the church I grew up in. You came forward and said, I, uh, I sinned. That was it. Well, what do you want me to tell people? Just, just tell them I sinned. And we didn't share anything. Because we didn't want anybody to know we were messy. Paul says, there's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference. He says... We're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Once again, where's the boasting? I'll boast in Jesus and what He did. By His grace, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I love the true story Tony Campolo tells in his book. I'm sure I've shared this with you before. The kingdom of God is a party one time on a trip he went to Honolulu and because of the time difference he was out at 3 a.m. in the morning just trying to adjust to the time looking for a place to eat and he went into this greasy spoon that was his words and he said behind the counter was this big fat guy his words the guy's name was Harry and he said can I get a coffee and a donut so after Harry poured the coffee and wiped his hands on his apron he just grabbed the donut just as is here's your donut he said after I adjusted to that He said, suddenly the door to the diner swung open and in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. One of them, Agnes, said, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Another said, so what do you want from me? A birthday party? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Agnes said, why do you have to be so mean? I don't want anything from you. I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. Why should I have one now? 
Campolo said, when I heard that, I made a decision. I made a decision to come back the next night, early in the morning. He asked Harry, the fat guy behind the counter, hey, do they come in here every night? And Harry said, they come in here every night. And he said, what do you say we throw Agnes a birthday party? And Harry's like, okay. So Campolo said he came early and he went and bought some crepe paper decorations at a store and he made a sign out of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday. And word traveled fast and folks all up and down the street came a little early to surprise Agnes. And Campolo said the place was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. Agnes walked in, everyone yelled, Surprise! And they sang her happy birthday and her mouth fell open and her legs buckled and her eyes moistened. And they brought out the birthday cake. And Campolo said at one point of the party, he said, what do you say we pray? They all looked at him and he said, we had a prayer meeting at 3.30 in the morning. He said he prayed for Agnes. He prayed for her salvation. He prayed that her life would be changed and he prayed that God would be good to her. And then he said, the fat guy behind the counter, his words, Harry said, hey. You never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? Campolo said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for, his words, whores at 3.30 in the morning. To which Harry responded and said, no, 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 you don't. There's no such church. If there was, I'd join a church like that. I would join a church like that. Campolo says, that's the kind of church that Jesus came to create for messy people. It's like we said last week, look at the kind of people that were comfortable around Jesus. All the lepers of society, not just the physical lepers of the society, all of the rejected folks and the depressed folks and all the folks that society says, you don't belong here. Look at his 12 disciples. They were the messiest group around and messy people felt comfortable around Jesus. Do messy people feel comfortable around us? Do you feel comfortable around messy people? Because if you don't feel comfortable around messy people, let me ask you this. You tell me, you tell me, when are we going to start a second service to reach messy people? Tell me. If you don't want them in here, tell me when we can have them here. You tell me when we're going to plan a church where the messy people are. You tell me what we're going to do to reach the messy people. Because messy people felt welcome around Jesus and they ought to feel welcome around us. So what do we do? Well, I think the best advice I can give you this week is a video I watched. I I get all kinds of emails, ministry emails, preacher emails, you know, how to do church preaching and everything. And the advice in this one said, you need to go watch this video. This is for what the email was about. And it was a Bob Newhart video. Some of y'all remember Bob Newhart. And he was counseling a young lady and she came in. He said, I, I just, I just, if you've ever watched Bob Newhart, he said, okay, I just do five minutes. That's it. So go. So she started and she shared a problem and he said, okay, I, I have two words for you. And this is the two words that I have for us as a church. He said, I have two words for you. She named behavior after behavior after behavior. And every time he said, I, I got two words for you. She said, you want me to write them down? He said, most people don't have a problem remembering um, these two words. She shared the problem and he said, okay, here's the two words. Stop it. Stop it. 
S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. Church, if we've created a culture that caters to church people, stop it. Let's stop judging. Let's stop criticizing. Let's stop having all the unwritten codes. Let's stop making people feel uncomfortable. Stop it. She said, I don't like this kind of therapy. And a lot of people don't because they want to continue in their behavior. And a lot of churches don't like hearing those words either because, Richie, don't mess things up. We like things the way they are. We don't like messy. Again, tell me, when are we going to start the second service for messy if they're not welcome here? Where are we going to plant a church to reach messy people? Because messy people feel comfortable around Jesus. So what are we going to do this week? You're surrounded by messy people right now. You're surrounded by messy people at work. You're surrounded by messy people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So here's what I want you to do. Be attentive to messy people. Messy marriages, messy kids, messy finances, messy job. Just listen They're all around. And I think Jesus wants us to be attentive to messy people. For example, we uh, Spencer and Christine were in town for a couple of days and they wanted to go to Olive Garden and and uh, the waitress, she was a hoot. She was just a lot of fun and she had fun with us and I had fun with her. And she was telling Spencer, is this is this your dad? And I'm like, you know, do, do I look that old? Really? Seriously? And so she's like, you need to appreciate your mom and dad because um, my mom and dad died. Let me go get your order. And we're like, uh, that's a conversation stopper. Um, what do you do? So she came back and she told Spencer, how tall are you? I said, how old are you? Two different questions. She said, well, that's kind of an interesting question. I said, well, when you said your mom and dad had died, we were just wondering how old you were. And we had a little conversation about her mom and dad and about just, I'm not saying I always do that. I'm not saying I do it right. I'm just saying we're surrounded by messy if we would just look. When someone wants to share their messy lives, a lot of times we're like, uh, call me, see ya, not now. No thanks. I don't want messy in my life. I don't want to have to get in your messy life. So this week, I'm just asking you to get messy. If all you do is look in the mirror to see your messiness, there is no difference in anybody on this earth. We all need Jesus. And that's good news, because Jesus has provided for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus shed His blood for us. That's us in this room, us out of this room. Everybody needs Jesus. So what do you say we start getting a little messier and sharing Jesus in messy lives? If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ... I probably tell you this every week. He came to get messy. He died on a messy cross. He died a messy, cruel, painful death. So that our messy lives could have right standing. Jesus 
got dirty so we could clean up. Jesus got unrighteous so that we could be righteous. Jesus got messy so that we could be right with God. And that's what we need to tell people. So we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ and what He did today. If you need to respond, if you want to be baptized, you can do it right now. You can do it in the middle of the week. If you want to go to the back and meet with our shepherds, they'll go to you with you to a private room. If you need the prayers of our shepherds of this congregation, if you need to share your messy life, please do so as we stand and sing. God will make